You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography, design, creativity, and more, with your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Hello, and thanks for joining us again for another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, and this week we've got a very special guest, someone who I actually should know more than I do because of a connection we've got through Kelby One. Um, but Alan Alan was able to get this guest for us. He's uh, a top NFL photographer. Um, his name is Don Page. He's Nashville-based, uh, but he's got a very good pedigree of uh, sports photography behind him. And Don, thanks for joining us tonight. Great to be here. Nice to meet you guys. See Alan again. Uh, yeah, oh, well, yes. I get tired of that. It's, it's a weekly thing now. <laughs> Sometimes I just turn the camera off. Um, but no, thanks for joining. And obviously, like most of our guests at the moment, um, it's been a strange year in each of our careers, whatever we've been doing. Um, and you, kind of like with Alan, is you're heavily reliant on sports photography. So do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit first, kind of if someone meets you in a bar and says, what do you do for a living? What's your stock answer? <laughs> well, I uh, I guess I would generally just tell someone I'm a photographer, and if they're more interested than that, then I'll go into it more. But uh, I shoot sports for a living. I am a staff photographer for the Tennessee Titans, one of the 32 NFL franchises. Um, and, uh, you know, there is a bit more to it than shooting just on Sundays for games, but uh, that's certainly the, the highlight of it all. Oh, we'll... we'll... We'll delve into that a little bit later, but I mean, let's let's start where we are at the moment. Obviously, you know, there's news bouncing all over the place that you know vaccinations are coming out. The world's trying to get back a little bit to normal. But what's if we go back to kind of you know you're on the sidelines shooting, life's good, and then all of a sudden, sort of this happens. What what was your world like at that time with your with your job at the Tennessee Titans? And what subsequently have you kind of been doing since? Yeah, you know, so 2019 season was my, my first season with the Titans. And um, I we had just come off a, a great season. We made it all the way to the AFC Championship, one game short of the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, we, we had a just we had a great season, you know, up until the end. And, and so it, it extended our our time shooting and playing you know, into February and pretty short after the season ended, I went on vacation with my wife. And while we were in Canada, uh, the world kind of stopped spinning, you know, and we got back just in time a day before they closed the borders. And uh, as anyone listening to this knows, um, you know, the, the world has been different ever since. So, and there are still people stuck somewhere in Canada that never made it home. (laughs) (laughs) If if they were going, thank you. <laughs> if they were where I was, they're lucky because it was beautiful. So, uh, oh. but anyway, yeah. So, how did the news kind of break for you through work? What was you know? You get home, this is broken. No one's really experienced mm-hmm. it before, and obviously, you've got your job. How did it, how did it come through to you? Uh, did you like have to contact and find out what's going on, or did you kind of all get pulled together and told, guys, no more football? No, I mean. The, like I said, it, everything happened kind of right at the end of our season. Um, so the NFL, you know, it wasn't like you hear these stories of basketball teams during warmups, you know, getting pulled off the court and all these sort of things. But 
we had just finished our season, so everyone was kind of doing what I was doing and, you know, taking a taking a minute to, to reset and recharge. And, and so the timing for us was not near as bad as maybe some of the other sports and others, others that were in season and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we were essentially, as, as I remember it, just told, hey, stay home while we figure this out. Um, you know, and, and, and things started kind of adjusting and we learned to, you know, we learned what Zoom was, you know, we learned, <laughs> uh, how to, how to communicate via video chat and, and, and how to have, you know, all, all hands meetings with 150 people over, you know, an internet connection. So our world certainly changed, but, um, you know, so we had OTAs and some of the some of the early practices that got canceled, and obviously the draft um, went went virtual, and some of the other things went virtual. But um, we, you know, we're just uh, flexible was the kind of name of the game this this year, um, and and I'm always adapting and always changing, and and we certainly did. But by the time August rolled around, um, you know the the league and the players association kind of had a had a plan in place to uh, allow us to move forward with having games thankfully so what's close season normally like for you i know it's like your first year but what would you normally do in between the end of the season and start of the next season as a staff photographer yeah sure um you know the the playing the playing season is is you know august to february but the nfl is at 12 months out of the year uh, between the combine and the draft and, uh, like I said, players and, and um, you know, reporting and, and having early meetings and OTAs and uh, rookie camps. And, and uh, they do a lot of community things in the offseason. Um, you know, our, one of our players just donated, you know, money to a, a, a guy whose house burned down and that sort of thing. And, and normally we would have probably all been in person, but it, we had to kind of work that around and a lot there's a lot of that sort of thing that happens uh, our our team especially i feel like is uh is very uh philanthropic with their efforts um they um they do give a lot back to the community um and uh the ones that live here you know kind of really invest uh in in, in nashville in the area that we live but um you know as far as me i'm i'm following them around the, doing the things that they're doing uh, I'm, I'm traveling to wherever they are um, you know, shooting uh, their individual workouts and individual training that they do that they do to get ready for the uh, the upcoming season, and and you know, it really it really is twelve months out of the year. So, because um, I'm I'm curious as to like the logistics of how this goes normally. So, as a staff photographer, are you like you responsible for like this set of team players, or do you guys like? divide it up does someone come to you and go okay you know today you're off you know going to cover like this workout or like how does the, how do the logistics of that work um you know and especially because nowadays you know it's all you know you can't just sit around in a big room and, and divide it all up because no one's For meeting sure. in a big room so um you know because like, can i work at the arena like <laughs> two days beforehand there's like this flurry of emails going you know at 6 30 you got to be here for this shot and then at eight o'clock you need to cover this and then we need like this picture sent to us by you know nine o'clock so we can put it out on yeah you know some social thing but i only get like a day's notice about what i'm doing for sure forward. um i think a lot of the things that we do um there are some one-off kind of things that happen last minute that we get to deal with the the same things you're dealing with 
but for the most part, you're dealing with so many things that uh, we actually have a team that's pretty uh, that communicates pretty well. We can compared to some other teams, we we operate pretty lean uh, staff wise, and so uh, because of that, we we have to communicate. I feel like you know we can't just oh well, we've got four photographers, we can just grab one if we need it. It's like no, it's just me. So if something's coming up, you know, we, we communicate. And the same goes for video or design or any of the creative in-house things that we do. Um, you know, they we put a lot of emphasis on the process. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that we get a lot of time to do the things that we do, but there is a process in place so that we know uh, a, a workflow. And, and if I'm uh, shooting an event, there's a, there's a process in place for how everyone is going to get those images. Um, and so there's no real question about that. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm really happy about that compared to some of the other places that I've worked and the things that I've done that, um, you know, there's no, Hey, one person wants a box link. One person wants a Dropbox link. One person wants a photo shelter link, you know, mm -hmm. um, where do I go for this? Like, how do I search for this? Like, it's all, it's all pretty, pretty well organized and, and, and outlined. So we're, uh, really happy about the, the kind of, you know, that sort of process that we have in place that allows us to, uh, you know, work more efficiently. So when, when the, when the season was, you know, discussing starting back up now, you know, from an outsider's, you know, view, we were anxiously like, okay, are we going to actually get an NFL season? You know, are we going to get a, any sporting season, you know, in, in March, it seemed like that was not going to happen. And then, you know, slowly, um, the NBA, you know, started their bubble and the NFL started doing, um, I guess, mm. bubbles <laughs> you know, around the country, keeping the teams in bubbles and keeping the uh, cases really, you know, amazingly low. And, um, you know, this is pre-vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like starting to go back in to shoot a game in an empty stadium without that crowd, you know, around you? I mean, it, it, it's a really different I've shot, you know, I've shot some events yeah. like, you know, like warmups and training when we're shooting in you know, ice hockey and there's no one in the building and it just seems dead a little bit. Like it's the energy level is just not there yeah. um, because you don't have all those people screaming behind you. There's not that roar of the crowd. Yeah. So, um. There were certainly some unique experiences that, um, you know, as, as, maybe some of them might have been good. I hope we never experience again, but it, it's certainly, you know, as you're talking about adapting, you know, we weren't sure if we were going to have preseason games all the way right up until a week before the first preseason game, you know, and we, we decided not to have them or the league decided not to have, uh, you know, hold those games and to give us a little more time to, to kind of put the procedures in place and things as, as the other sports were starting to, uh, evolve and, and, kind of lay, lay some groundwork for that. But, um, you know, when our first game at home were, was with zero fans and like you said, it was, it was kind of surreal and it felt a little bit like a scrimmage. Um, but at the same time, the, um, you know, the, I, I guess, uh, the stakes were still just as high as a regular game. Uh, because it was a regular game, and so the emotion on the field was just as intense as you would get. And so that part did not feel like a scrimmage. Um, but what was unique about it was the kind of ability to hear, um, and and whether it was pads popping or helmets, you know, clacking, clicking together or whatever, 
um, the guys talking to each other, you know, the cadences, the calls, all the things that go into that that go into football that make it so interesting. Um, you know, being able to to kind of feel like you were right in there. I was the only still photographer allowed on the field all season until the Super Bowl. Well, I say me personally, but the staff internal person for each team. So when we traveled, there was me and there was the other person who, um, you know, was shooting for the other team. And even teams who had multiple, they could only still have one. So for all season, there was two still photographers. The rest were shooting from the stands and from what they called the operational zone, uh, which was an area dedicated, kind of spaced out from fans for media and people to have access. But they were up, you know, where the first row of stands would be normally. So it was uh, it was a different experience for sure. Yeah, that's what's happened over here where they restarted football um, and particularly with the Premier League. That's and soccer friend... for the Americans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> proper football for the English. And uh, we've got I've got a really good friend who's the head photographer for the Sun newspaper. So he gets to do all sports and Olympics and boxing. And he was saying that he was, when Premier League restarted, again, same for you, there was a, such a, a limit as to how many photographers could be on the field, how many could be in the stand, like s- certain areas. And he's been lucky enough to actually shoot from the touchlines. Mm. And even he said, like, how eerie it is without fans because we, we've got full sport, no fans. So... Yeah, even if it's a final or if it's you know a lower league game, that there's like staff of the club allowed in the stadium. Uh, I mean, my wife is currently uh, because she works for the community part of the local football club. They're not allowed ball boys, so she's one of the ball boys on a match day to throw the ball back in, Amazing. and they have to have like the ball on the side. She has to clean it. They have to sanitize for it. Sure. They're not you know there's r- rules as to what they can do with that. Um, and every, it's funny how everyone has said that whilst sports continued, the atmosphere, the thing of like not having the fans mm-hmm. in the stadium, and and she said like you you hear different sounds. Mm-hmm. It's like where you normally get the match day ambience, it's like really weird. You can hear the players exactly what they're shouting to yeah. each other, and uh, not necessarily a good thing. And there were there were some things that that evolved, and and they were allowed to pump in crowd noise and things to to simulate a real yeah. crowd. It certainly never reached the point that you know you would normally get and the emotion that you get from a real crowd, but. Uh, it did help kind of limit the other team hearing your calls and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, to the point about it being empty and being the only person down there, um, I personally, and other other people may approach it differently, but I personally took that as, um, you know, an obligation to do my best every day. Um, you know, you show up and you know that you're the one of the only people allowed on the field, like, you, you go in with the pressure to create art. And if you're not taking advantage of the position that you are in, um, then, you know, it's, it, it's, then, then you've, you've kind of missed the mark in my opinion. So, uh, to show up and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to create the best images I can create today, uh, and capture, you know, and, and utilize the, the emptiness to your advantage, you know, shoot in spaces where, a year from now, there's going to be, you know, dozens of people back on that, you know, getting to shoot guys walking out of the tunnel that are just completely yeah. empty is something we'll never see again. 
you know, and, and there's yeah. broadcast cameras and there's people with cell phones and there's fans and there's, you know, all these other people who have a role that are normally there but that weren't there this year. Uh, it gave opportunity for images that uh, you might never see again. And so I, I approached the season as, as, you know, the opportunity to, to document the history of, of this year in, in an artful way. That's really funny. I was just going to say those words. You're documenting history. You're documenting something that hopefully won't happen again. Yeah. And it's that kind of more surreal, quiet, silent moments mm -hmm. of that empty stadium that you would be in different places and get a different angle. And and it it, it is such a weird time for all sport that I think you know this is going to stick out for years. There's going to be some classic photographs that are going to be so special because empty stadiums and and just the whole you yeah. know lack of lack of other people there so when you think back to like you're talking about now where you know that you've got a responsibility mm. you're going on the pitch you know what we've got to get let's go back to the first time you ever did this and you were on the side of a football field so what was what was that and and how did you feel then you know when i was in college in louisiana i uh, studied architecture and decided to take a photography class and really enjoyed it. I was, I ended up switching my major to photography and fine art. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of sports photographers in the area. Um, and so the opportunity to approach my university and say, Hey, I'd love to shoot. I played sports and I was active. And so it made, it drew me towards, um, you know, my love for photography to mix it with my love for sports. And I essentially of just a, you know, a, a, a kid who thought he was better than he was, uh, you know, just to go with, with little to no equipment and just say, Hey, I want to shoot. Look, I've made every mistake in the book. I shot my first baseball game with an 18 to 55 kit lens. You know, and and I try and and I try to turn in. Uh, I I I applied for a job at the school paper. You know, I probably cropped in an out. If I if 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 anyone knows anything, it's like an outfielder is very far away, and to try and shoot that with a 55 millimeter lens, and then just say, oh, I'll crop it in and turn that in. Uh, that was a terrible, terrible idea. Um, and so I look back on some of those images that are just horrendous, and I thought man, look what I'm, look what I'm getting to do, you know, and I still have that feeling today, but hopefully my images have gotten a little better. <laughs> got a slightly bigger lens yeah. now. <laughs> I, 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 but I think that, uh, um, that kind of, uh, you know, guts to you know, like think that you can go out there and do it even with a 55, you know, millimeter lens. Sometimes I think that is, is really helps people, you know, it's like, don't let the limitations, you know, uh, of the gear stop you mm. you can buy better gear you can't you know you can't like buy better photography it's like, right it's a um you know it, I, there, there's a whole bunch of people out there who are like the gear doesn't matter the gear does and in certain respects man the, the gear really matters because yeah. um you know i can't shoot a concert using you know f 5.6 it just does not going to work in those bars and yeah. you know you can't shoot an outfielder you know <laughs> with a 55 millimeter lens exactly on a crop sensor um yeah and, and uh, you know when you're starting out you don't know what you don't know um <laughs> and and so you're just happy to be getting in there and and the, the idea is just to not stop learning right like that's what i tell people all the time though how do i get to where you're at 
well, just don't ever stop learning. Just don't stop uh, wanting to get better. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was, I graduated in 2007, and I, I thought, why isn't Sports Illustrated hiring me? You know, because I just didn't know what I didn't know even then. And I know exactly why, because I was terrible. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what, uh, you know, at the time. And so you just, you just keep learning and keep getting better. I have several people that still, if I put something online that isn't, isn't to the, you know, doesn't meet the mark, they're going to, they're going to call me out on it. Right. Like it's, it's friends who are honest with you, right? Like it's, it's, it's mentors mm-hmm. that uh, mentors and people who will say, Hey, uh, I know what you were trying to do there, but that picture sucks. Like, you know, and, <laughs> and it's important to have those people in your life, you know? So. And the, the funny part is the, that photo that sucks because you took it and it's not great. Someone else would be really happy capturing it because it's their step, like moving forward. You mm-hmm. know, that's for sure. I mean, I, I do that all the time. I, I judge myself against like, I was photographing some dogs at a golf tournament the other day, you know, for, for these things. And, and I'm like watching the light and I'm watching the silhouette and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I was McNally, I'd bring in like three speed lights and I'd set them up by the, you know, but the dog was already gone. So I'm already judging myself against what I've seen other people do. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's frustrating. But if I don't do that and I'm just happy with everything I shoot, then I'm doing something wrong. I mean, I'm happy yeah. shooting, but I'm never happy with all the images because otherwise I didn't try anything new. If I just right. stick with the, oh, yeah, here's the 10 shots. And don't get me wrong. If you're on assignment for something and they're like, we want, you know, these 10 photos, those are the first 10 I take. Yeah, I get for them sure. Done. I get them out of the way. I make sure I nail them. And then I start working on the stuff that, you know, um, all right, let's try a different angle. Let's try a different lens. Let's, you know, look for a different position. Let's try you know, watch the shadows and the light. I mean, I got really frustrated because I was shooting all day. It's the perfect lighting conditions. I started at noon, you know, on a golf course in absolutely blazing sunshine. By five o'clock in the evening, I've got the last foursome coming through the hole and suddenly I've got like these beautiful long shadows. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, can we get all the other players back over here, you know, once in a while? But it was like, so I know I, you know, I get the shots in the middle of the day, but, you know, the ones at the end are starting to like really excite me you know um, so when you're looking at a game you've got to follow the action you know you you know but you know what's supposed to happen I mean you know obviously the ball comes down the field it you know and you score so where do you get to be like I want to be more creative or I'm looking at creative or is that the more of the like pre-game after game and behind the scenes stuff yeah look when I was getting started I, I I uh went to this it may have been photoshop world honestly with with scott kelby but uh listening to dave black speak yeah and you know he's just a legend in sports photography and to learn you know from him um and and listen to him speak and you go okay the more you can know about the sport that you're covering the the more opportunities you are going to have to create great images because you know what is going to happen. Um, you know, I don't know what plays our team is going to call, but the more you can know about your team, the more you can prepare to be in the right spot for when those things happen. Um, and and you know that was a that's a lesson I've I've kept with me for a long time. And right, like there are certain things that you have to get every game, um, but at the end of the day, like my job 
as a team photographer is to make us look good. And so if I don't necessarily have to get the peak action of every play, I just have to create beautiful images that tell the story of, of us. Um, so maybe I miss a play because I'm, you know, over in the bench area kind of shooting some, uh, you know, documentary st style things or uh, shooting the details of, of uh, you know, our center has, he can't snap with a glove, but his hands just get trashed every game. And so, like, in the fourth quarter, just getting the long lens out and just saying, forget anything else that happens, I'm getting a shot of this guy's hand on the ball. And then you see, you know, you just his, you know, blood coming out of his fingers and things like that. And it's just like, you know, just really demonstrate the toughness of, of him and kind of linemen in general uh, that, that kind of goes into that. And so it's like sometimes it's, yeah, sometimes it's the peak action. Sometimes it's getting that, that very specific moment that, you know, the, the one-handed helmet catch in a Super Bowl, something like that. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you need to be prepared to miss that and you take your you take your risks maybe a little earlier on in the game if you can uh and 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 later on is when those moments might matter more so you can kind of be prepared for that and just an understanding that that's how the game works uh can really help you you know make sure you don't miss a thing so yeah that's like kind of what alan said when he's uh photographing bands is once you know what the singer does in those three songs like he's always going to jump from the drum stand on the third song at the beginning alan knows he's going to get that mm -hmm. shot and all the rookies are going to be oh whoa, 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 wait wait what did i miss exactly um how much how much of because you obviously shot six years at university sports i mean is that where you learned this like learning to tune into the team and the plays and kind of knowing where to be on the field at certain points of the game to know what to get yeah sir so, uh, certainly uh, you know i before i was you know not to go through the whole thing but I, as a student i was shooting and i learned the very basics while i was a student and then after that you know i wasn't even good enough to get a staff job and so i knew i needed more experience so i shot a lot of things on spec i shot a lot of you know things on assignment and that sort of deal for uh you know, I shot for free as seldom as I as I could, but it was necessary kind of early on in the career at times. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't handing over the copyright and 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 not you know acknowledging that hey this is still worth something even though I'm not getting paid up front. Um, and so spending some time shooting spec and shooting you know as a stringer and local paper and anybody who would just give me a credential honestly uh, gave me that. <laughs> gave me that experience I needed to kind of have a portfolio worth getting a staff job. And so then, yeah, I spent six years at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville um, where I really kind of learned how um, to do the job and not just be a photographer, but really be good at, at all aspects of the job. Um, and they had 15 sports, so I got to, I got to cover everything under the sun, which was amazing. Um, you know, now... NFL, it's just one sport, but there, um, you know, are certainly lessons you can take from having shot swimming for six years, or having shot track and field, or having shot volleyball, or, or soccer, or or football. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it 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 is certainly lessons that you learn along the way, and and honestly, I don't 
I mean, the NFL, you know, is 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 it is as elite as it can be as a step from a staff photographer position, but you know, I don't take anything away from the guys who do what I did at college. Just they they're not behind me in their careers. Though that is that is as professional of a job as as you can get and I you know, I was very happy there. Um, you know, because some of those are some of the most talented photographers I know that work for those universities. So it is it is certainly not something that I look at and say, Oh well you're a university photographer, maybe one day you'll make it. You know, that is yeah. That is making it, you know. That is a job worth having for sure. So how does the staff job of Tennessee Titans come along <laughs> for you? As, as, you know, clear as mud, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, people told me when I was early on, well, I, was, I would say, well, how do I get to where you are? Well, every bath is different. Everyone has their own, but... You know, the more I look at it, the more it couldn't be any more true. You know, all you can focus on is getting better and being a better photographer. But my path specifically just came about from developing the relationships while I was at university. I took a year and a half uh, off because my job, my wife got a wonderful job and I was shooting for Getty Images. I was doing other stringing and other, you know, freelance work. Um, I did some amazing, I had an amazing opportunity to do some commercial work for the U S Navy, um, that those images don't see the light of day very often because it, uh, you, you, it becomes property of the Navy. And <laughs> if, if they post something, I can post it, but, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that some of my, some of my favorite work that I've ever shot, uh, was, you know, in that year and a half and, and, and it just, part of partly because it came with the experiences it came with you know being on a, a navy battleship and that sort of thing but um mm. you know you you certainly get a new perspective uh that i could carry back into sports um and to shoot um it's it's all about people it's all about telling their story and that's what we were doing with the navy and that's how i feel like i'm doing you know with the titans is i'm i'm just telling these guys story you know so yeah I think the whole people thing's really important. I know, like, when I, I did a talk the other day and somebody said, like, how did you end up doing that? And it's like, well, I can't tell you the specific thing that got me there, but I can tell you the six years of work I did that enabled me to build relationships mm -hmm. that ended up introducing me to the person that got that opportunity. Certainly. And I think in those kind of jobs, like you say, it's not just turning up and shooting. You have to get to know your environment, you have to get to know not just the people you're shooting, but it's the people on the periphery as well. That you know, sometimes the most important person in in the opportunities you get aren't necessarily like the person at the top of the tree. Like my my whole stuff with Kelby One, uh, with the NAPP, didn't start directly with Scott Kelby. It started with Nancy, who used to run the community stuff and my first communication was through her and it gradually built till it got to what it become there and those people that i speak to are photographers that work with bands we had adam on a couple of weeks ago you know and brad working with joe and working with scott and everyone has such a different journey to where they get i think it's when somebody says oh how did you get to be that it's like well if it was easy as a to b to c mm -hmm. everyone would be doing it but it's not sometimes you've got a 
have the crappy jobs have the moments where you've got to take just anything something to keep shooting to keep learning and and adapting yeah my very then one day you're oh yeah. i was gonna say my, my very first job uh out of college you know it was not in sports i i was shooting baby products i was shooting pacifiers <laughs> and bibs and bottles and uh you know that was a nine to five job that allowed me to live and survive while I shot sports on the weekends and kept developing a portfolio. It was while I was doing that, that I met Scott and Scott, you know, I, I met him. Um, I had been following him and, you know, met him on the sidelines and he said, Oh, Hey, won't you, uh, won't you come to New York and go to, you know, photo plus expo. And, and, uh, so myself and another friend, Matt Lang, that we had just, we had just met, Scott, we went up to New York just a week later, and you know, I that may have been where I met Alan, and that's where I met a lot of the people I know now. And you know, you're most of the people I met that weekend were not sports photographers, but it's amazing how the community is so small um, that then it's just the people you meet becomes very important. And it's not it's not a networking thing where if I know this person, I'll get a job. It's just mm -hmm. it's just about people in general. And being nice to people and treating people well and uh, just, you know, not being a jerk. So, you know, it's just good life lesson in general. But Yeah. And we've all, what's up, what I think is cool as well with a lot of guests that we've had on the show. And it's not, I don't think it's been deliberate, but I think it's just been kind of circumstance of the industry we're in is we are cool. We are quite connected through the NAPP, Kelby one through Scott, mm -hmm. um, and we've all had different experiences. I mean, we've also got mutual friends like Brad Moore that we were talking about off air. What, what was your kind of that? You said like you met Scott on the sidelines with Matt. Mm. And I, I know Alan said to me, you've been to Photoshop World and you've kind of been shooting behind the scenes. I mean, what's your kind of memories of, of that time around Photoshop World and that event? Because the first time I went was 2010, which is where I met mm. Alan. And I just felt like a small fish in a really big ocean. But yet, bizarrely, I was like chatting to RC, Dave, and Matt on day mm -hmm. one, and met Scott. And it's—I it, it, mean, it changed my life. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't go somewhere and feel like you're not a nobody, then you're probably not expanding your, you know, your your horizons very much. But I certainly, first time mm -hmm. I went to Photoshop World, I, I was thankful to have an invite. Um, you know, by somebody that I knew there, but, um, and, and being able to say hello to Scott, but I didn't know anybody, you know, and it was, you show up and, and, and you're just there to learn and, and ever, but everyone else is there to learn. And it's a really small industry, you know, and there might be hundreds, maybe thousands of people there. Um, but that's not a lot of people, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the, in the world, you know, comparison. So, uh, just understanding that, that, you go to a place like Photoshop world because you want to get better and everyone else is there because they want to get better. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just important to surround yourself with like-minded people. So whether it was Photoshop world or whether it was, uh, just being in, 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 staying in touch with people or, you know, Brad and I both live in Nashville now and we're friends and, uh, you know, I, I love chatting with Brad. Uh, we talk shop all the time. Um, and I've, I've had him come shoot out, uh, shoot some, some marketing events and things with the Titans when, when I wasn't available, you know, and it's just important, um, uh, to kind of 
meet people and surround yourself with those people who are on kind of the same same mission. I, I, yeah. I think the I think the key takeaway from a lot of that, and and this is a something that's been echoed by just about every person I think that's ever been on this podcast and in the industry, is that it's not really all what you know. A lot of times, it's who you know and the relationships you have. I mean, yeah. um, because you can be the world's best photographer, you could literally like every time you pick up a camera make an absolute masterpiece. But if you're a jerk to people you're never going to get hired. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, what it's like. You're just, people are just going to be like, no, I'm, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And you can be a pretty good photographer, but if you're nice and you put yourself out there and you really try to, you know, work your hardest, people are going to hire you all the time and give oh, you I opportunities. I, I mean, depended on that early in my career, right? Like, <laughs> I was not very good. <laughs> I was not good, but I was I was sure going to be nice to, to other people, so... Uh, no, I, in all seriously, like that's exactly like I met Scott and through Scott, I met Brad, uh, Brad is originally from Knoxville. And when that job, you know, at UT that I ended up getting was posted, uh, he, Brad sent it to me, you know, and he said, Hey, check this out. I don't know if I would have known about it if it weren't for Brad, you know, and he didn't help me get it. He didn't know anybody that, that, you know, he could reach out to. It wasn't some sort of situation like that but he said hey check this out and you know i tried to take the rest from there but i mean without him if you know if brad thought i was a jerk he wouldn't have sent that to me you know and and yeah. and so it it's important to do the work yourself but it it, it certainly is uh a, a good good life advice to just be nice to people <laughs> well i'll tell you something else because i shot i i shot a college level football bowl game here in san diego for some um tennessee college team because um the photographer at the team wasn't going to be here and was like you know you don't want to shoot that and um and thank you for that by the way but the other part about it was when that happened the pressure i put upon myself to actually go out there and try to do the best job possible wasn't just because I'm now shooting for myself. And, and honestly, there was no, like, my pictures weren't needed. It was like, yeah. I was like the fifth, oh, you know, we can either send a bus boy out or, you know, but, um, you know, what's going on? But it, the pressure was still like, oh, man, I, I, like, I've got this opportunity through somebody. I, yeah. I am now representing them. Mm-hmm. Like, my pictures are not just from me. They're, that was lightning here. Oh, that was cool. Um, my pictures aren't just representing... Wow! Life, I can hear that. Yeah, San Diego thunderstorm. (laughs) Welcome. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that the pressure wasn't just on me to perform for myself. I mean, it's not just for me. I'm now representing the person who hired me or got me the job, and you know, I felt like there was extra pressure to Mm. be nice, to be polite, to you know, be professional, to do all the things because it's not just my reputation that's on the line. It's the person help me out and for sure um you know i think that really does separate people in the job i think you people recognize that really fast and even if it's not like a written down thing it's it becomes a thing (laughs) yeah and no that's a great point too and and you know i in the two years i i was shooting kind of solely almost solely for getty um you know i had that same feeling because uh, getty is not easy to get in with um, you know, it, as I've experienced, maybe it, it was easier for others, but, uh, I tried for a while and didn't. And then someone vouched for me and it was already in and he said, Hey, you should give this guy a shot. And, and 
I showed up to each event to do my best, but also, hey, this guy put his neck out on there for me. I want to make sure I don't make him look bad, you know. And so to to for someone to to do that for you that you is certainly like you said, it's important to uh, to understand that if someone respects you enough to to vouch for you, then it's kind of your responsibility to uh, return the favor and and yeah, do your best. I know f- from going to Photoshop World and being the non being the he draws <laughs> out of the he shoots he draws. <laughs> Uh, I have a massive admiration for photography. I love photography. I love photographers. Uh, in the same way, I love football. You know, I, just because I love it doesn't mean I have to do it. Um, and I've tried. And despite all my friends, like all my best friends being the greatest photographers I know, I just am so frustrated with myself. But the thing I love about going to somewhere like Photoshop World is you sit and listen to moose peterson dave black scott kelby joe mcnally and they they all kind of tell the same story and you look at them and think you all still have to work really hard to do what you do it doesn't come easy it isn't like you just stroll up and you know with a small camera rolled over your back and it just happens you know we've Mm. me and alan have like kind of both said we've seen joe look like absolutely hanging because he's working so hard but they all kind of put the same message across work hard be good to other people um and that's so important you you know i've i've i get to work for the for photography show in the uk and you really do see a mix of like those photographers who just work hard do their best want to learn want to help others and then you see what we call the the gliders who kind of they sort of swan around the room waiting for everyone to look at them and because they want to be well known and famous and they're aloof and they already think they're the best at everything there's nothing else they can learn all they can do is teach and i mean i I don't want to be around those people i want to sit and listen to joe and dave and moose and hear them tell their stories and and same from designers similar kind of thing that you know one day you're you're going to be 50 60 mm-hmm. you know you've had a lucrative career in nfl who knows where you'll go next but i think it's cool that you've got that kind of level head now that this is never going to get away from you you're only ever going to continue to be better and better and better um have you ever thought about teaching is that something because there's something alan and i talk to a lot of people about is a lot of people do what they do and teaching seems to come on like next do you think there's anything in your future where you think you can teach from your experience possibly but i also think you know i am not one of those people yet you know i'm not one of those people who you know i i would go i would go to a uh joe mcnally seminar i would uh, you know i would go uh to a peter reed miller you know workshop um, you know, but who's going to come to a Donald Page workshop? Like maybe some free people, but not many right now. But as when I say, when I say even maybe and haven't considered it is when I worked at the university, I had 10 students ish, you know, around and, and the part of that job that I really liked because it was a lot of work for one or two people. We had these students uh, to help with the workload. And I, I really did enjoy having them to kind of teach as much as I could, 
you know, and pass some of that knowledge on to. And I don't have that. We don't have an internship program or anything right now. And, and, and so we don't, you know, we hire professionals if we need other, other photographers at, at the university level, you, you tend to lean a little bit more on students and, and students tend to not know as much. And so I enjoyed that aspect of the job. Um, and also I could weed you out if you didn't want to learn, then I could just tell you to, you know, kick rocks. But, uh, I had a great group of people that I still talk to. One of my former students is a head photographer at Mississippi state university. Now, um, another guy I used to work with, he was never a student of mine, but he was, uh, one of the other photographers at UT, you know, he's at another university as the head photographer now. Um, other, other students that I've had that still are, are having great, you know, careers um, <laughs> a couple of them still in school because i haven't been gone that long but um i really enjoyed that aspect of it so man <laughs> you know who knows one day uh if uh somebody needs uh you know some some slap sports photographer to come in and and do something maybe i would but uh i certainly uh there's so many people i respect in the industry that i don't i wouldn't consider myself <laughs> ready for anything like that but but then, then one day, like 10 years' time, you'll be, oh, he, sh he shot seven Super Bowls. He's <laughs> and I, I never thought I'd teach. I didn't teach till I was 50. Yeah. I, I was always a doer and a learner and always looked up to other people and, and, and kind of like took from that experience to make myself yeah. better. And it was only really through Scott pushing me, as he's done for like most of my career, is you should try this, you should try this. But... I, I taught at the age of 50. Not only that, <laughs> it was my first ever public speaking appearance. I'd never spoken, apart from like my wedding, um, and, and Lee, when I left a job, you have to stand up in front of staff and go, thank you for this wonderful tacky gift you bought me. Um, I, just w I just would not stand up and speak in front of people. I just did not have that in me. So Scott pushed me to do it, and now it's a thing. Obviously, I'm older than you, and I'm older than everybody, uh it's a thing i really enjoy now because i've got the experience but had you asked me 10 years ago mm. absolutely not 20 years ago pff, i wouldn't even consider it so i think these days because like we've said before back in the day like if you so much as looked at another photographer on the touchline mm -hmm. he wouldn't even make eye contact with you he's but yeah. i'm not sharing what i'm not letting you see my camera settings i'm not going to let you see what i'm looking at and designers were always i'm never sharing my secrets i'm not going to let you know how to do this whereas now i think it's we've swapped it's like everyone's sharing everyone's happy to help Different. you know you can go over to another photographer and say hey why don't you go and try and stand over there if you've not been here before is a really good shot I do think that's nice in the industry that we are at least now becoming, if we're not becoming teachers, we are becoming helpers to one another in what we do. Sports photographers have a uh, a, a bad, uh, you know, stereotype of being really I think really you curmudgeonly on your website. It's uh, <laughs> a great word. <laughs> very, very curmudgeonly. Well, and, well, you know... <laughs> That is, I think, changing, you know, as some of the folks get out because of exactly what you just said, you know, mm. people are, are more willing to share, more willing to to kind of help people who want to be help it, helped, like, in their careers. Um, you know, there's still, you know, and maybe this was me 10 years ago, I, 
you know, I've been shooting for 15 years, and when I first started, I, you know, I was ready to have my first, you know, I was ready to teach, but I didn't know what I didn't know, and and so now I know that there's so much that I don't know still, um, and so, you know, who knows? Another 15 years from now, um, there was a moment I would say, maybe three or four years ago, I, I kind of looked around and and realized like. I'm not one of the kids in the room anymore, you know, (laughs) you look around and you're, you're talking to the people that you see all the time that you see weekly and you go, man, I'm, I I used to just always walk into a a workroom, a photo workroom and I would just feel like the new guy. Oh, uh, one of the photographers in new Orleans when I first started (laughs) literally just called me new guy, you know, and, and he, he didn't even want to bother to learn my name. Because he was like, I ain't new guy, you know, you're sitting in my seat, you know, or, or whatever. And, uh, and I looked around a couple of years ago and went, I'm not one of the kids anymore, <laughs> you know? And so, and so maybe one day I'll, uh, you know, in 10 or 15 years, I'll look around and go, I'm one of the old guys now, <laughs> you know, but, uh, maybe, uh, we'll, we'll reevaluate then, I guess. So there's 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 one thing about sports photography, and it's a little bit in, with concert photography as well, is that um, access is difficult. So that's what part of the reason you get that reputation is like when you sh- when I'm shooting hockey, there's only four holes to shoot from around the rink. So if there's six photographers, two of them are, you know, not going to be shooting through you know, holes in the glass. They've, they've got to go somewhere else. You know, there's only so many photographers allowed on the sidelines. There's only so many photographers allowed in a concert, you know, photo pit. Um, and I think that is, is part of where the reputation of, you know, protecting, you know, like you can't know what I'm doing because I don't want to lose my spot to you. And I, I think part of that has changed just because um, the, the way the games and the way things are doing and, and you know, uh, cooperation has changed. Um, as a house photographer here, I shoot all the hockey games when we have them. <laughs> we don't, we haven't had them this year because, you know, COVID. And um, we might start having games again at the end of this year, but our entire season for the team that plays here got moved to a rink um, up in Anaheim. And I don't have any, you know, I don't work in Anaheim. I don't work with that rink, so I'm not shooting any of those games. So when it started in San Diego and it was basically the team photographer and myself, um, you know, he got he got first pick of anywhere he wanted. And then I basically could, you know, have second pick. And after a while I realized, uh, it was much easier for me to start letting other photographers who are there use the same spots. I'd give it up because I could shoot the next game and the next game and the next game. And these guys were getting to shoot one game. And, um, a lot of them came back later on and were like, Oh dude, I'm working for this soccer team. Do you want to, you know, you want to come shoot it? And that access, you know, that relationships, again, built, um, you know, allowed me to be on the field, you know, with the soccers. It allowed me to, you know, to go out and do other things. I think it was it was such a mind a switch of a mindset. Like, I don't have to mm. protect this. The only way I'm going to protect this is, is by keeping on taking great photos. Like, if I start <laughs> turning in out-of-focus crappy pictures, then, you know, I'm going to lose that. And I, I believe that's changing everywhere. I think people mm-hmm. are actually being more friendly in everything that's going on. But I have to process and edit every single image I take and turn in the ones that I want to. I'm assuming you don't. I'm assuming that at some point you can hand off 
stuff to other people or do you still do all of your own selections um or is or is there something behind that because it's it's tough you know in a world where everything is immediate you know everything's obviously don't have time while i'm on the field to be doing that for in-game so we actually have an editor that i'm sending things to and i work very closely with that person um because of how protective i am over the image right if something gets out that's not good or it's not just you know my standards or whatever it reflects on me so i work closely with uh with him to to make sure um you know he's he's understanding and seeing what i'm seeing so that he doesn't uh maybe select something that i wouldn't wouldn't select but for there's kind of the first barrier is i get to choose which ones i transmit and then he gets to look at it and go okay that might have looked good on the camera but it doesn't look good on a computer so we're not going to use it or that sort of thing at the end of the game i still am going back through my whole take and making so making selects and and editing and that sort of thing and we have um we have someone to help with our metadata and 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 that sort of part of the process but um yeah you you got to be careful like you said you 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 take uh you take yourself you know the shooting is the fun part and editing is the part that most people don't like but if you remove yourself too much from that, you, uh, I think you, you maybe lose control over your, um, you know, how you may be perceived, you know, and if you just let the social media person decide everything, then maybe that hurts, you know, cause everyone goes, Oh, look at this terrible photo. Everybody knows that Donald's the team photographer. So they know that that terrible photo came from you. So coming full circle, then you obviously you're now looking forward to the next season, um, which starts. Did you say August? I mean, depends on how you how you uh, define it. You know, we would games. Yeah, we'll start in August slash September. Um, you know, your first practices, OTAs might be uh, might be April. You know, so. It, uh, it it starts to pick up and there's a kind of a dies back down and then it, it picks back up again. But um, yeah, certainly uh, full swing is is Ju- uh, July really because you got you have camp every day. Obviously, like you're like everyone else now, we've got that sort of light at the end of the tunnel and vaccinations are coming out. Um, can you like feel? obviously it's hard to pick it up for a zoom call with members of staff but can you start to feel now that kind of positivity coming through from the club and everybody that actually we can start planning to getting back to normal and planning for a normal season yet or is there still that like here we've got here we've got that kind of optimism it's like we know that this is this football season is going to end. Fans are going to be allowed back in football stadiums. We've mm-hmm. got the European Football Championships in the UK in June, July. Fans are going to be allowed in to watch the games. Photographers are going to be allowed back. So everyone's we kind of got this high at the moment yeah. because Wimbledon's coming back and they've just announced two big music festivals in July that are going to happen. Have you got that over there yet? Yeah, I I would say optimism for sure probably better described cautiously optimistic um because you know the nfl has said they're not going to try to skip any lines they're not going to do any of that and so when you when you follow the kind of rules that have been laid out 
healthy, athletic, 20-something-year-olds are way at the bottom of the list. Mm. You know, so, so you know, it, it might be a while before a lot of these guys uh, get their vaccination, depending on how long things can roll out. You know, we'll probably be, still be wearing masks. We'll probably st- still have limited limited access. But, uh, I, I mean, I fully expect that the fans will return to their comfort level. You know, we had a year where it's been tough on people mentally and, and physically and financially and, you know, and, and you watch movies, right? And you go, how can all these people be in one place together? And it just gives you this like palpitation, uh, you know, because it was filmed two years ago, but you know, there might be some people who are a little timid to get back into large crowds. And then there might be some people who, you know, financially need to take another season to recover or, um, you know, whatever, whatever the reason may be, I think Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's certainly, um, you know, things to be considered about the, the hopefulness we have of the season. Um, because we certainly love to play football and we love to, uh, do all the things that are involved, but be certainly being sensitive to the fans and what they've gone through in the last 12 months is, is something we've, we've had discussions about as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, over such a short period of time, when I think I went to a Premier League football match on March the 14th, 2020. So I, I've not even gone a full year yet. Um, that it was just so weird how in such a short amount of time, like you said, people have now got that social anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm sitting here in the UK. I'm not even allowed to drive to the next town for no reason without getting fined $200. And then I go on Facebook and I see friends of mine going to watch comedians in a bar or like they're all going off doing stuff. And then, you know, it's not like there's governors of anywhere telling people they can do what the hell they want now and not wear masks. But it, I do get this kind of weird thing of there's like eight people there <laughs> close together. What are they doing? That person's not wearing a mask. So I do think like, from from like our the the way we are the way we've become climatized to it is it is going to be weird going back to sports and mm. the cinema and theater like someone joked the other day do you remember the day when on a special occasion we used to get a cake and then someone would blow on blow all over the cake and then we'd <laughs> eat it <laughs> and i think our behavior with concerts with you know sport is oh. going to change. We've mm-hmm. learned, I think, yeah. we've kind of learned a lot socially of how we behave at these events. I do think it's going to take a couple of years for sport to get back as it was. It made me laugh. There was a football match, and they've got all these kind of we're bringing football back, but we're going to have all these um, restrictions, and like the coaches have to wear masks at the side, and the players aren't allowed to hug when they score. And then this team won this competition, and they got a cup. One by one, they all picked the cup up and kissed it and hand it to the next guy who kissed it. And it was just, you got this guy who has to wear a mask to give out the medals and you're all... Stresses you out, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nearly been a full year since I was at a, at a shot of concert. We had Blake Shelton and then Tame Impala four days later back in wow. uh, March, I think 9th was the last thing I did, 2020, March 9th. And, and by the, the 11th to 12th, the venue was shut down and I was photographing an empty building and I don't know what it's going to be like to go back in and have you know 10,000 people in a building I just my brain is having a hard time like wrapping itself around that concept at this point um 
and just being how how comfortable we've been with being around so many people now it's it's completely different right I know. and i i'm i'm a little stressed about it i mean my but luckily my, my wife has had her first um shot she's in the education field and she got a shot Perfect. on you know first one i'm, I'm still waiting because you know uh photographer is not high up on the list of you know <laughs> services that are essential um no matter what i think of myself so you're old Alex, but you're not that old his age i turned 55 and i've never felt so happy of being 55 <laughs> when i saw i was eighth <laughs> on the list for the injection and i'm next now so they're just doing the 60 year olds and then right. 55s come next so i'm due mine i don't know end of march beginning of april but what's really odd is over here it's they've said it's it's by age not by occupation because they were saying like all the teachers and um emergency services should all get theirs and the government have said no from our research we have to do age we have to reduce the vulnerable age groups from it because that takes the strain off the nhs and everything yeah. so it is quite weird like i've got friends who are in their 30s in america who are getting the jab and i'm like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> I'm your elder. I'm 20 years your senior, and I've still got away. That's funny. But I, I do. Um, yeah, it'd just be nice. I'm looking forward. It, it's funny. Some of the things I, I'd stopped doing, like I used to go to football quite reg, quite regularly. I, I went to the theatre once in a while. When it comes back, bizarrely, I've missed something I wasn't doing much of anyway that when it all comes back, I can't wait to get back to a sporting event and I can't wait to go to the theatre. I can't wait to go to an exhibition and like see Alan again, travel. I want to get on a plane and sit in a tube with loads of other people breathing the same air <laughs> and, and sit on it for 14 hours to get to see my friend. Um, but I just like kind of hope that, you know, as, as we start to return to normal, you know, I hope things pick up for you, you you can get back to normal again and everyone can start doing their job and uh mm. we start getting out and about and being amongst people again because i i know i've really missed it yeah i'd like to thank you for joining us today because um i've always wanted great. To, i've always wanted to know what it's like <laughs> to be a uh nfl photographer is like I, I told you off here before but I'll, I'll say it again when i was when we moved here in like 1980 and I was watching um, American football for the first time, like with my dad, and we're sitting and we're watching on TV. And I saw those photographers. I wasn't planning on being a photographer at that point in my life. I was 12. But I saw those guys with those huge lenses on the sideline. I was like, that is literally the coolest thing. I didn't want to be a player. That looked like it hurt. But being a guy <laughs> on the sideline with a big camera looked like so much fun. So, But I also remember at Scott Kelby feeling like that until, was it Aaron Rodgers? Ran off the field, ran him over, and broke. Smack, <laughs> yeah, smash into him, broke his so, monopod. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Um, anyway, listen, thanks for being a guest on the show. Alan's been saying for months, yeah. even not even weeks, we've got to get Donald Page on. We've got to get Donald Page on. I'll email him. I'll email. Him. We've got to get him yeah. on. But wait till the football season's over. Wait till right. the Super Bowls happen, because then we can get kind of a full season of of your life well, in uh, COVID I, I, NFL. And, and this being only my second season, I, again, I don't consider myself an expert, but it certainly was quite an experience this year. And I've, you know, I've heard a lot about you and I've met you and I've known Alan for a while too. We, we share a love for the, uh, the boxer breed of dog. Yeah. Uh, mine is around here somewhere. I'm sure his is as well. 
They're just um, outside the closed door. Probably, probably like I'm surprised they haven't barked yet. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we you know, my first trip that we can that I can take when we when we're allowed to travel again will be to San Diego on the beach. So uh, right. we'll have to connect there as well. But appreciate you guys for having me on, and and uh, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Yeah, cheers. Oh, thanks, All right.